This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Good morning. Welcome into episode 43 of Small Talk. I'm your host, Michelle Smallman. We have a ton to get into this week. We are, of course, going to talk about the Pent Ultimate Game of Thrones episode. Tons of carnage, tons of destruction, tons of death. So we've got to bring in our Game of Thrones correspondent, Tommy Reese, to break it all down. We're going to do that at the end of the podcast. So again, just a little disclaimer. If you haven't watched the episode yet, spoiler alert, you're going to want to avoid that part until you watch it. And then, of course, come back and check it out. We're also going to get into another edition of 10,000 Frogs. We have two super strong contenders to go up against the Crack Frog. We'll see if we can finally dethrone that terrible Crack date. But before we do that, we got to bring the guys in. We have Tommy Freeze Pops here in studio wearing an Expos hat. Freeze Pops, what's up? Hi, how's it going? Executive producer of the Will Kane Show and the Rosillo Podcast and the upcoming SVP and Rosillo Podcast, Steve Cerruti. Hey, Steve. Yeah, it's, it's coming back. What's up? Next month. Thank you. How we doing? That's big <laughs> stuff, man. I'm pumped for that. Congrats. Huge. Thank you. Yeah, it'll be fun. Let's see. You know, Van Pelt's already talked about doing more than once a month, so we'll see how it goes. It'll <laughs> right. be good. I was listening, band back together. I was listening <laughs> to the pod, and he started talking about like It's just like he was having brain vomit about it, and in my head, I was like, he's, he feel like he's overcommitting right now. <laughs> yeah, but he's excited. Like, he really is. I think he really misses. I mean, he's always said that doing the show with Ryan was the most fun thing he's ever done at ESPN, and I think both of them did sort of miss being together, and I don't think a five-day-a-week radio show, either of them want to ever do that again, but... um This is sort of the best of both worlds, so it'll be fun. Okay, well, we have a lot to get to on the podcast today. But before we do that, Steve, I need to get your ruling on something. (laughs) Tommy Freeze Pops and I had a bit of an issue. Mm. And we're at, at not odds over something, but it's certainly changed the dynamic of our relationship just a little bit, okay? Oh, wow, okay, this is intense. (laughs) So Tom and I spend an inordinate amount of time together. A lot. We do this podcast. We do the show. He doesn't have friends here, so I invite him None. to come out with me and my friends because I feel Bummer. badly. And I want him to have a social life and like like it here, right? We text a lot. We we email a lot. It's we talk on the phone a lot. It's a yeah, lot. He's on, Bum- he's on Bumble Friend Finder or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> yeah. We're hoping that, going well. that that develops. It's awesome. But, you know, he's really committed to this radio show that we do every day, and I respect the hell out of him for it. Uh, but he's perhaps a little bit too committed, and and here's what happened. So I had a meeting the other day, um, and it was about this podcast, and I was really pumped to tell Tom what happened in the meeting. So as I'm walking out of the building, I was here much longer than we're normally here on a day-to-day basis, and so I thought he had already left the building. So I called him. And Steve, he picks up the phone and he goes, hey, Michelle. And I said, yeah, what's up? I just left the meeting. Do you have a second to chat? <laughs> and he goes, I, yeah, I'm still at the office. I just sat down on the toilet, though. Can I call you back? <laughs> oh, my God. And I said to him, what? And he's like, yeah, I just I'm in the bathroom here at work. I just sat down. Let me give you a call back. And I go, you're disgusting. Do not call me back. <laughs> Yeah, dude, come on, man. Well, okay, so I don't know. So I was excited. Yourself. I was excited to hear about the meeting. Um, I was here, you know, grinding away, doing my job, and I, you know, I was in the bathroom and I saw Michelle call. I was like, oh, perfect time. I'll pick up. I'll tell her, hey, I just sat down. I'll g- you know, give you a call back quickly. You know, I'm just, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Voicemail, dude. Uh, but see. Voicemail, missed call. I wanted to show that, hey, I'm here. I want to get back to you right away. I, I just thought we were at the level in our friendship and partnership, um, professional I'm partnership. Not sure that you'd ever be at that level. Never. <laughs> Literally not, never. That I could just, like, you know, tell you, hey, I'm on, I'm on the toilet. 
I'll call you right back. I don't know. I, I didn't see anything that wrong with it. It's not like I, you know, was having the phone call while taking care of business on the toilet. I was like, look, I, I mean, sat you were down. prepping, I mean, <laughs> oh for being honest. <laughs> oh, this is just getting worse and worse. So I have two takes on this, Steve. I need your opinion. One, he picked it up in the, in the work public bathroom. Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> if, I don't, honestly, Tom, like, if I were to be like, if I was to be like, hey, name somebody you know that would answer a phone, I'd be like, yeah, it's probably Tom. You'd, you'd probably yeah. be, you would definitely be in my top three. Oh, I t- I have phone calls on the toilet all the time. See, that's 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 terrible. I think. I mean, it's I'm so on gross. my phone, but I'm not having conversations. So, okay, with what's people. the difference? It's just a dude. You don't, especially like, especially like a lady. To be like, yeah, I'm on the toilet. <laughs> like, if you were to do that to me, I'd be like, all right. Whatever. I can't even look at him in the face, whatever. Steve. I just, it's like, come on, dude. Have so some, disturbing you know, to me. I know, I know. Everyone's about like, you know, equality in 2019, but like, you know, <laughs> it's let's. You shouldn't do that to. You shouldn't do that to a lady. That's just rude, dude. That's just rude. You okay, can't, you can't be talking like that. I'm sure. You can't be doing that. I'm sure. I, that I know I, you and Michelle are comfortable and you're friends, but yeah. like, that's not cool. I'm sure that's if I had cool. thought about it. Maybe I wouldn't have picked it up, but I don't know. It was or in the just flow lie. Of it. Why can't you just be like, hey, I'm like tied up for a second. I don't want to lie, back. Or well, just don't a, answer you know, the phone. You're like, the Jon Snow. Like, that's like Jon Snow. Like, you got, sometimes it's good to lie, dude. You got to lie sometimes. <laughs> yes. like, you don't always have to tell the truth. Okay? We get it. Like, you know, you have you have dignity and you feel like you're being right and you got to tell the truth <laughs> and be honorable all the time. No. So you, you, sometimes you just got to lie. Or just call me back. When yeah. you're so not you think otherwise text, hey, occupied. Up. Let me, I'll just you know, hit you up in a little bit. So Side what if I had picked up and said, hey, Michelle, let me call you right back? Would that but have been fine? Just don't pick up. You're at work in the <laughs> restaurant. That would have been better, though. Yes, that would have been better. I, I mean, I still wouldn't have picked up in the, you know, on the toilet. Uh, but <laughs> my God. You know, just to, to acknowledge that it's even happening is absurd. Oh, it's so upsetting. I told another guy this story, and his response was, I mean, at least he's honest. Most guys yeah, use no. the phone while they're on the toilet. And I was like, are you kidding? Because this is, makes never me never want to text or talk to any guy ever. Saruti, you're lying. I'm, I mean, I'm sure that I have lying. once in my life. I can't think of a specific time. But when I, when I go to the liar. bathroom, like... When I go to the bathroom, that's like time for me and myself. And I'll be on Twitter and I'll be like, you know, checking Instagram or whatever. But I'm not having conversations with people. Sometimes you got to handle business. I mean, you know how it is as a radio producer. You got to be on your phone Bro, at all times. It's not that cutthroat, okay? Like it could have waited. Like it could have. It could have waited. It was not urgent. I like it wasn't to be time sensitive. I like to be at the the at the bell and call of Michelle Smallman at all times. That's what I think makes me a valuable producer to her. What if it was something I, that was time sensitive? She would have wanted uh, me to she, know she what I was doing. That yeah, would I would have, have left you a voicemail. Like, like, <laughs> there is very, there are very few things that, like, I almost think, like, if it was that urgent, she would have texted or left a message telling you that it was urgent. Yes, correct, Steve. Okay, I'm so glad that you had such a visceral <laughs> reaction to now. this because I not was like, <laughs> do not call me back. We have an embargo. You cannot speak to me for the rest of the day. Yeah, I, don't, I really don't yeah, think we spoke for about many hours. No, I couldn't yeah, do it. Have, the next time that you guys are on the phone together, what you know what's going to be in the back of Michelle's mind is Tom taking a dump, and that's not fair to Michelle. So it's I'll not. just never tell her. You've already ruined well, now, it. Yeah, but now, yeah, exactly. It's already ruined. So now we're never going to speak on the mind. phone again, is what you're saying. I guess so. It's ruined. Uh. You ruined it for you know. You ruined it for the rest of the time. <laughs> oh well. I can't even believe we're ruined. having this conversation. I didn't even want to talk about this on the podcast because I found it so disgusting and disturbing. <laughs> but I needed your ruling. It's very on Tom. This. It's very on brand, though. I know. Okay. Well, well. Speaking of that, you know, <laughs> here's this. <laughs> 
here's this guy, as we're talking about with, with these manners, this is how he talks to women on the phone. And oh, come on. The restroom. So how I talk to women. I'm just, no, no, I'm saying I'm on, polite. The, on the phone, in the bathroom at you work. You are polite in some ways, but. I just think that coming off of this, Tom, being a single guy, trying to win the affection of a lady out there, this is a good transition into 10,000 Frogs. Well, we have been so locked into Game of Thrones, and honestly, these Game of Thrones segments that we've been doing with Tommy Reese, I thought it would maybe take 10 minutes, but they've been going closer to like 25, 30 minutes, so we haven't really had a lot of time on the back end of the podcast to work in some other things, but I've been promising 10,000 frogs, so we are going to deliver 10,000 frogs. So without further ado, here we go. Dating is really, really hard. Uh, So listen, I want to ask you something. Um, Can I get your number? But don't worry, listeners. You have to kiss 10,000 frogs before you find the one. Can I have your phone number? Can I have it? Will you give me your number? Can I have it? Can I have your number? Let's get through this together. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Small Talk presents 10,000 Frogs. Okay, you guys, so we've had some good stories. We've had some good contenders, but so far the crack frog reigns supreme. It's like the basically the Golden State Warriors of this competition. <laughs> with or without KD? I would say with KD. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess both, too. I mean, they won 73 games without him. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yes, and they just advanced without him as well. All right, so we got a ton of submissions, and we've got some good contenders this week. So let's just dive into it. Here's the first date. So I used to live in New York City and dated a lot. I met this guy. He was just okay, but I decided I'll go on date number two with him. So we go to dinner. We're sitting there. It's kind of boring. I mean, really bland. So we walk out of the place. I've already decided that this is the end. I'm not going to hang out with this guy anymore. So we're crossing the street so we can each get on one side of the street and hail a cab. And all of a sudden, we get hit by a car. Seriously, this guy was on the outside. He absorbed most of it and actually ended up breaking his leg. So then I couldn't dump the poor guy and ended up dating him for like a month because I felt so guilty. (laughs) True story. We ended up having to go to wheelchair compliant locations because he was held up for a while. That's awesome. Wait, that's actually a decent contender. I mean, (laughs) I'm not sure it's God. See, the problem is the problem is crack frog is just unbelievable. This. I mean, I think she made the right decision, right? You can't just dump the guy after he takes a car for you, even if you don't like him. <laughs> well, he didn't take a car on purpose. It's not well, like he, he was trying did. to be heroic. Well, but he still did. I mean, if it wasn't for him, she, her, she might have had, you know, her injuries might have been worse. So uh, you got to kind of appease him for a little bit, right? Can you imagine, though, you're ready to dump this guy two dates. You know, you can wash your hands of it, totally get a clean break. And then all of a sudden, you're pushing him around to wheelchair compliant <laughs> places. <laughs> Caring well, that's crazy for him. You, you know, you go through a traumatic experience together, and sometimes, like, that gets the endorphins going. You may, I'm surprised they didn't just fall in love after that. They both survived. <laughs> yeah. So you bring up a good point, Saruti, because with the crack frog situation, it was just a one night deal and she was done. Whereas this situation brought her to the having to deal with handicap parking and, you know, finding tables where you could fit the and wheelchair underneath it. Yeah. So, you know, as. As a micro situation, I would say Crack Frog was a worse date, but in the macro sense, this wheelchair frog, or whatever we want to call it, uh, getting hit by a car frog, <laughs> contact frog, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it is a good contender. I'm curious to see what the, what the other story is that goes against this one, um, but against Crack Frog, I think it has a shot. Yeah, I just, if you're already not into the guy 
And I mean, let's be honest, when we're all sick or injured, we're kind of at our worst. We're mopey and we're complaining. We're kind of whiny. If you already don't like the guy, then you have to date him after. Also, they're like props yeah. to the guy for wanting to even go on dates after he was banged up. <laughs> yeah, but here's what you got to think. Okay, so they get hit by the car, right? So they probably go to the hospital together. Like, they're obviously sort of tied by this going forward. Like, when are you supposed to break up with him? When are you supposed to drop the news that, hey, I actually don't want to see you again? Like, you can't do it while he's still laying in the freaking hospital bed. <laughs> so then you've got to wait till he comes home, right? And that may have taken, who knows, a few days or whatever, depending on what his injury situation was. And what are you going to do? As soon as he gets home, be like, actually, yeah, I never want to see you again. So this is like, this reminds me of like, uh, to a, it's like a more aggressive version of John Mayer's St. Patrick's Day song. Like, there are just times when you can't break up with somebody because there's things going on in your life. Yeah. And this would have been one of those things where you're like, you can't just be like, I don't want to see you again after a traumatic experience like this. So shouts out to her for like sticking it out. It was 100% the right decision, even if she didn't want to do it. Maybe you just sign his cast. I want to see other people. <laughs> oh, that's cold. I mean, that would be devastating. That's that so would be devastating. cold. Wait, so she only lasted a month with him after? Yeah. So... I'm starting to think that's not enough time, though, right? I mean, she probably didn't hook up with him, right, too, with the broken leg. So, you know, what what, what, what really happened? Yeah. Like, honestly. I would imagine logistics would be difficult there. But, yeah. yeah. So, would like, you really you know, just whatever. have some so meals, out with him for a month. push him yeah. around, get him out of the house, You had a friend for a month up. that was, quote, unquote, your boyfriend. <laughs> who wasn't, that is brutal. Who wasn't really your friend, who you actually thought yeah. was pretty boring. <laughs> exactly. That's okay. So, well, I wonder well what done. type of car it was. It was a cab. Oh, it was a cab. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm assuming it says we decided to cross the street to each hail a cab. We got hit by a car. So I'm just kind of assuming it's a cab. That story would have been way cooler if it was like, I hated this guy, but then, you know, we got hit by a car together and then we fell in love and got married and it was happily ever after. But then it wouldn't be a 10,000 frog. No. It wouldn't, but that would have been an awesome story. That would have. I'm sure that's out there. So wait, what are we calling this? Wheelchair frog? Injury frog? Accident frog? <laughs> I like yeah, wheelchair I don't know. frog. I like Wheelchair Frog, too. Okay. So Wheelchair Frog is going up against this. Here's the second story. I once had a bumble date with a girl at a small, intimate wine bar. Things were going fine, but she was certainly pounding the vino. As the night went on, she got pretty loose, and I started losing interest. I excused myself to go to the bathroom, thinking this could be a segue to ask for the check when I returned to the table. I had left my phone on the table while I went to the restroom. <laughs> When I come back, she's holding my phone, looking at me like she wants to kill me. I sat down, asked for my phone back. She throws it at me, screams at the top of her lungs, you have a new connection on Bumble, begins to interrogate me about still being on the app. When I tried to explain to her that we met on Bumble and that it was only our first date, she then slapped me across the face, told me I was what's wrong with men and left me sitting there <laughs> as she fled the scene. Not only did it make a massive scene and everyone in this small bar was staring at me, she's sniffing with the bill, which was over 100 bucks. Not a great first date. Oh, my God. That's terrible. I mean, that is that is a disaster. <laughs> that is that's, so bad. That's like, that's the, you know, the Michelle, I understand in situations like this why you don't want to be on online dating sites because of stories like that. Yeah, so this girl got wasted, checked his phone when he went to the bathroom. First of all, Casual. who Psycho does she move. think she is Psycho to check move. his phone? Even if something pops up on the screen, I wouldn't look. I or feel if you like... see it, you just pretend like you didn't. You don't bring it up. And it's your first date, yeah. and you met him on Bumble. Like, what do you expect? <laughs> he's, after chatting with you for a little bit, that he's going to be like, oh, she's the one. I'm... I mean, shockingly, she's. this is why she's probably single. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Well, 
Like, it's not that hard to figure out that she's a psychopath, and it, she, that's probably why she doesn't date anybody. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine how humiliating that would be for him to get slapped in a tiny bar and have everyone staring at him? It is a good story, though, because you can just kind of write it off and be like, yeah, this was a Bumble date. Like, this girl clearly is crazy, and I don't really care. It sounds like, like a know. Tinder date. Well, well. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Um, no, that honestly... It's not like a crazy story, like the crack frog or like getting hit by a car. But as far as like normal bad dates go, like that's on that's a ten on like not devastating things happening dates. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm not sure how much worse it can be, how much more of a psycho you can be around, unless someone like stalked you for months later and like wouldn't let you. Do you ever see that? Uh, I think I forget where I saw this, but like some there was like a girl who sent like hundreds and hundreds of texts to this guy that she met or that she like once matched with on tinder yeah and she, she had to file a restraining or he yeah he filed a restraining order against her <laughs> like that's the only worst possible scenario in this situation <laughs> than this girl freaking out at a restaurant yeah and i'm sure after she slaps him flees the scene goes home passes out i bet she's sobered up the next day and probably started messaging him again <laughs> right. right yeah maybe the, you know what maybe this was a wake-up call for her like i probably need to start drinking less maybe i need to tone it down a little bit <laughs> And uh, not be so aggressive on first Tinder dates. Yeah. I don't know her at all, but I don't know that that wake-up call would happen based on what we're hearing. Just the small sample size. It sounds like she's got some real issues. She needs some friends to sit her down and be like, listen. <laughs> yeah. You need to look yourself in the mirror here and have some self-reflection. Like, this isn't who, this isn't the way you want to go about life. Maybe some therapy. Yeah, can you imagine him, too, texting his friends afterwards? We're like, dude, how was the day? He's like, well, got slapped. Oh I mean, it's actually God. kind of a funny story if you're That's great. Dude. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, all right, yeah, it was a little bit embarrassing at the restaurant, but, like, I don't know. It's a good story to have. I've been on dates before where I've gotten the match on the phone screen, and I just quickly turn my phone over, and I don't know if it's ever been noticed. It's never been brought up, but it Wait, happens. you put your phone face up on a table, like, for a random, for, like, a well, first date I, to see all the things that are going on your phone? Well, I, I don't I'm think. I'm a big face phone down guy. I don't really yeah. think about it, honestly. Right in your pocket. Yeah, well, sometimes it's in the pocket. But sometimes, I'm just, you know, it's just on the table. Like, I don't, wow, phone I don't on the think. table, rude. <laughs> totally. Yeah, maybe that's why I'm single. But Did no, this guy I, deserve yeah. it? Because he had left his phone face up on <laughs> the table? Yeah. I mean, I, I, when, you, when you leave your phone on the table, like, you don't expect this girl to just pick it up. But he probably should have not left his phone there. Well, I guess, too, if he's thinking, all right, I'm going to go to the bathroom, come back, ask for the check, maybe putting his phone on the table was kind of signaling that he's ready to go. Mm. You know, maybe he was taking the precautions to make the move. I don't know, but for her to even pick up his phone is so crazy. I don't know, you guys. I know Crack Frog is crazy, but I think Slap Frog might beat it. Slap Frog. Because there's so many little things. She gets loose. She's ordering the wine. If it's a small, intimate place, he says it wasn't cheap. It was over 100 bucks. She yelled at him. She embarrassed him. She hit him. There was, a, you know, an assault there. <laughs> I mean, oh, I don't even know if it's the best one today, though. I still like Wheelchair Frog better. You do? <laughs> Both I of do, these are great. Yeah. This is a, a really bad first date story, but I don't think it even, I don't think it comes close to getting hit by a car and having to date <laughs> someone for a month. Yeah, that's a great, great point. Great that's call. a great I mean, point. That was recency bias <laughs> yeah. for me, for sure. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how many times people have gotten hit by a car, and, and, you know, and that then you start dating someone for a month. Out of guilt. Yeah. <laughs> now that we're actually going through this, I think Wheelchair Frog is the clear winner for this week. And I think that might trump Crack Frog strictly because of the residue effect that you had to date this guy for a month after because you felt guilty. At least with Crack Frog, you had that initial shock moment, but then you're done. You wipe your hands of it, right? You're ready to move on, turn the page. This poor girl had to kind of linger in this scenario for a while. <laughs> As I argued before, though, I'm not sure. I don't feel terribly bad for her in this situation. I think it's a great story. I think the story is amazing. But, like, 
you know, like what? Okay, so she, so basically, she was out of commission in the dating scene for about a month to like tend to this guy who broke a leg for. Her. Like, all right, that's not it's not that bad. <laughs> she had to wheel him around, Saruti. Yeah, listen, it's just, you know she she taught how to care for someone for her. For, she'll probably be a much better you know for her next real actual boyfriend or husband in the future. <laughs> You know, if anything ever goes wrong, she's experienced in that department. And like I said, she probably didn't have to hook up with him. It's not the end of the world. But breaking a leg is the story topper. You guys have never hooked up with someone with a broken limb? No. No, but I actually do have a story about breaking a leg during a hookup. Not me, but my roommate freshman year of college. (laughs) So basically, I don't know if you guys had, like, how your dorms were set up. But we basically had, like, a giant room freshman year, right? And everybody got a corner. And they were, like... The beds were raised above the desk. They were all like kind of one piece. And so my roommate in the corner, and one of the corners is hanging, is, is hooking up with this girl in the middle of the night. All of a sudden, like we hear like this massive thud and just screaming. And I was like, what What the hell is going on? Like, this is unbelievable. Like, are we going to have to call somebody? Like, I know my boy's a good guy, but what is happening? And uh, so, like, I don't know. He ends up saying everything's fine. She leaves, right? It turns out that she fell off of their bed hit her leg on the corner of his desk and shattered her leg and then walked back to her dorm with a in shattered the middle of leg? the night with a broken leg. Yep. yep. This is more common than you would think. I also have a friend who fell out of a bed while hooking up with a girl and broke his ankle. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the things are high. It's I mean, dangerous are, stuff. Yeah, yeah, these raised beds are really high up there. You should invest in some bumpers. I mean, let's be honest. The beds aren't super big. No, yeah. You know, like it's it's kind of like just the extra long twin, right? So right. there's not a ton of room. People so one are probably person kind of goes the wrong way. Boom. Exactly. A ton of alcohol involved. Like, I, you're right. They should kind of they should pad cushion most college dorms. To Wait, be honest with you, like, that, we, that would solve a lot of problems. Should we get an attachable kind of padded bumper? A hookup pad. But we won't call Hook it that because parents <laughs> yeah. will be buying no, these think, for their kids. That's true. That's Who true. should we just say? You know, safety you, pad. Safety. Well, that sounds for a plane or safety something. Safety pad is aggressive too. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> couldn't you just see though the infomercial being like you know, thirty three percent of college freshmen roll out of the top. <laughs> well, see that's high. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, or whatever. True. Invest in. The, I mean, fifty nine ninety nine. You attach it on. It's a cushion. It's kind of got a pillow on it. I mean, we could be millionaires. Smart investments. True. It's true. We might have just stumbled onto something. <laughs> if you're out there and you're listening and you're into production, hit us up. Shark Tank. Oh, my God. We could. Mark Cuban would totally invest in this. <laughs> he needs to I mean, see the sales, though. We got to find the statistics. We could we could pad the statistics, Michelle, and go with your 33% of college students. And then, like, <laughs> obviously, you'd be like, well, yeah, I don't want my kid to be part of the 33%. Like, of course, we're buying this pad. Pad the statistics. See what you did there? Ah, yeah, good it. pun. Yeah, coming, coming full circle. What's up? You know, you can just say to Mark Cuban, what if it was Zion Williamson that rolled out of the bed? Or what if it was someone that could potentially be on the Mavs and they shatter their leg because of an errant you know, that's hookup? That's a good point. What do, what do guys like Zion and dudes that are even tall, like what did Taco fall, that seven foot six dude? Like he's not sleeping in an extra long twin bed. Yeah, right? I know. I no. think they hooked like, those what guys is his up. Deal? Yeah, they hooked them up. I'm pretty sure. But what do they do? Just like, I don't even know how they would have need their own specific room, right? Because most of those be- those rooms are built specifically to hold like three or four people with a specific, you know, furniture set in there. So like if you're tall, do you get your own room? That's kind of dope. You know who would know that? And we should ask you know, him before we get into Game of Thrones. against short people. Our friend Tommy Reese would know the answer to that. We should. Right? I mean, those big Notre Dame linemen, there's no way they're sleeping in those twins. Yeah, there's no way, like, what's his name? Quentin Nelson was in a regular twin-size bed. Like, that dude needs double-decker wide, you know, whatever. (laughs) Probably longer, too. He's also not on the top And then if you're hooking up with somebody, it's impossible. 
Yeah, he's well, he's probably not in the top bunk. Although those things are sturdy. Although if you've seen Step Brothers, that would argue that they aren't. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> now I'm so curious. Okay, we know that they have specific athlete dorms, mm-hmm. and I bet they have very comfortable Tempur-Pedic beds. I mean, they've got to protect the body, get the spinal support that they need. You know, you can't be going out there trying to play football with a, a crick in your neck. True. With some back pain. Can't do it. So I would imagine, yes, that Tempur-Pedic or whomever has donated to various schools, right? Don't Who you says think? college athletes need to be paid? Come on. Yeah, come on. You're getting a nicer, <laughs> bigger bed. Getting, exactly. You're getting hooked up. What up? Okay, so what do we think? I'm I'm all for wheelchair frog. Uh, I think wheelchair frog wins this duel. This round, wheelchair frog advancing. Okay. Yes. Yep. But then does wheelchair frog dethrone crack frog? Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> It's tough. As much as I want it to, I just don't know. Getting hit by a car is less surprising on a date than going back and finding <laughs> out that her and her dad smoke crack. No, you're really? right. Wait, so, her uncle. I mean, come on. Her let's uncle, not misre- I'm sorry, her misrepresent uncle. the dad. That's even weirder. So. Yeah, what does the uncle do there? <laughs> Dude, but you really think finding out that someone who doesn't have a ride home and orders two meals to go, finding out that they smoke crack is less surprising than getting hit by I mean, I feel by like it. that's still a dramatic turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crack is always a dramatic turn. <laughs> Just crack out of nowhere. Like, there's, he probably had no inclination that she smoked crack. None. Here's this girl walking across the street being like, I can't wait to go home, wash my face, throw on some PJs, watch some Bravo. <laughs> Boom, she's hit by a car. Next thing you know, she's Googling wheelchair-compliant restaurants in New York for her new boyfriend. You know what? I'm I- picking wheelchair. Because Over crack? You, yeah, you've convinced me, Michelle. I kind of am too. Yeah, she. Oh I mean, oh my! <laughs> look, there was injury involved. This guy became a, a chore for her. I mean, yeah. Think it, about your schedule, Steve. How busy you are right now. Obviously, pretend like you're not married. If all of a sudden, because of guilt, you had to invest in a relationship that you didn't want to, and we're not talking, she's picking up the phone once a week saying, "Hey, let's go grab brunch." In today's world, you're texting, you're following on Instagram, you're staying in touch you don't respond to him you're feeling badly that he's sad i mean there's way more to this than just the once a week maybe hangout mm-hmm. i think crack trumps all <laughs> just, that's, that's all i have to say i mean i yes longevity you're gonna you're gonna get me there obviously she had to you know she had to endure a long like a month long thing of being with somebody and this guy didn't have to like smoke crack with this girl and her uncle for a month but ah <laughs> It's going to be hard to beat crack, and getting hit by a car doesn't beat crack for me. Yeah, it does for me. If you're the guy, now that now I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, you know what, maybe it wasn't, maybe I'd rather just like not be let on, right? Because would you, you know, I don't know if I'd want to go through that month, even if my leg is broken, and think this girl likes me if she doesn't actually like me. She's just with me for my broken leg. Or do you think that he knew that and was just like, whatever, I don't really care, she's cool. You know, I probably haven't been on a date in a while, so I finally have a girlfriend for a month, even though my leg's broken. He probably wanted the companionship. I'd say I'd take the fake love. <laughs> Why I not? actually once got back together with a girl because I broke my ankle. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, what is with you story. and all these injury stories? I know. Today? I feel like I have all these stories. Yeah, so I had I had dated this girl like on and off for a while in college, and we were not dating. And I broke my and I broke my ankle playing football. I, I was returning the opening kickoff of the season. Broke my ankle. Good Ooh, times. What a stud. And that's like the only reason we got back together was because I broke my ankle because I had nothing else to do and she felt bad for me. True story. <laughs> and you were bored. And we did it for many years later. Oh, whoa. <laughs> yep. And honestly, in hindsight, you're like, that was probably not a good thing for me. Like, if I'd never broke my leg, 
I wouldn't have been, you know, I wouldn't have wasted this time, right? Yeah, look at the Although he only effect. really, he only, he only really wasted a month, you know, in the grand scheme of things. So it probably wasn't that big of a deal. But if I'm, if I'm him, I'm like, hey, you know what? I, I wish he just kind of was like, I'm not that interested in you. But what if then he really developed feelings and really liked her? Yeah, see, that's the bummer. And he very well might have. He'd get like, hey, this car accident is the best thing that could have ever happened to me. I have a girlfriend, like she's into me, and then boom, yeah. a month later, she's like, actually, I'm not that interested. Sorry, it was just a leg. Yeah, one day he's <laughs> telling everybody this romantic story, this meet cute of how they ended up together. The next thing you know, he's crying in physical therapy all alone. <laughs> that's so sad. It Cuts is. deep. <laughs> Cuts real deep. You know what, Steve, I know you said crap Trump's all, but in the crack scenario, he didn't even have to sit there and watch them smoke crack. They just pulled out the crack and he fled. Mm-hmm. So I'm going wheelchair frog. I think this is worse. Wheelchair wins. You're outvoted, all right. dude. Listen, I'm out. Yeah, listen, I don't have a choice in the matter. I've, I've, <laughs> I've said my piece. I've been out. I've been outvoted. I feel like we need horns or something. Some sort of. Yeah, you know, I'll throw I, some rap horns in. Sure. <laughs> See, I feel Some like you crickets. guys. I mean, I frogs. feel like you guys just really want crack fraud to get beat because it's unbeatable. But you know what? We'll just let it go. All right, guys, let's wrap this up. We will get Tommy Reese on the line, and we're going to ask him about the mattress situation and the college athletic dorms. But we need to talk about Game of Thrones. The Pent Ultimate episode was unbelievable. It was actually really controversial. Shocker there. A lot of people on Twitter didn't like it, which we we're going to talk about. But tons of death. Tons of destruction. We have a mad queen in the house. We need to break it all down. So let's welcome in our Game of Thrones correspondent, Tommy Reese. He comes to us from the house of South Bend, Indiana. A warrior on the gridiron, converting over 60 touchdowns in over four years of battle. A two-time bowl champion in his own right. Let us talk Game of Thrones with Notre Dame quarterback coach, Sir Tommy Reese. Okay, Tommy, so before we talk Game of Thrones with you, we have a question. We just did this segment called 10,000 Frogs where we compare bad dates and try and find the worst date out there. And in one of the dates, a guy broke his leg and a girl ended up having to to date him for like a month out of guilt. But then Saruti tells this story about how he has a friend and freeze pops as a friend too that in college they were on the top bunk hooking up with the girl rolled out of bed accidentally and fell and got injured shattered their leg and or ankle so then the follow-up question that we have for you we started talking about athlete what does an athlete do if they're on the top bunk they fall and get injured so do athletes have different beds do you guys have king-size beds in your dorm as opposed to the bunk bed twin i can only speak for notre dame and like notre dame's very traditional so like all the student athletes in Notre Dame have to live in the normal dorms with a regular student. And so there are no like exceptions to that. Now I know if you're like above a certain height, I want to say if you're like six, three or above, you can request like a longer bed. So it's still a twin, but it's just a little bit longer, but it's funny you say that a lot of beds at Notre Dame are actually lofted. So like the dorms are really small and the beds are lofted. Like they're not bunk beds, but like your desk and your closet would be like underneath your bed so your bed would essentially be a top bunk with like your closet underneath and there are definitely times where people got injured on the top <laughs> bunk there's uh, yeah it's funny you bring that up because there's a lot of injuries that happen like partying or hooking up that you have to somehow come up with an excuse you know like i was getting extra reps over the weekend and <laughs> you know, sprained my ankle but in reality you're like hey i was at a party and i Wait, slipped so you're yeah. telling me like quentin nelson guys like that have to sleep in the same bed that like you know guys like me or 5 10 150 have to sleep in like that doesn't seem fair <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah now maybe it's like you know four inches longer whatever the extended mattress is but like his bed will be a twin and that's why a lot of guys end up moving off campus and 
you know, get in their own spot. But yeah, yeah, Q, I don't know how he fit on those things. Yeah, so we were saying that we imagine most places that have athlete dorms have these massive Tempur-Pedic beds. You know, you got to protect the back. You got to make sure these guys are getting enough sleep so they're ready to go come game day. Yeah, like I'm sure other schools take care of, like I'm sure in the athletic dorms the beds are different or maybe a little bigger. But Notre Dame's very traditional and, you know, you can get an extended mattress. That's about it. That's got to hurt you in recruiting, Tommy. (laughs) We do all right. Okay, so Game of Thrones this week. We finally got the carnage, the death, the destruction that we've been waiting for. It's the penultimate episode. A lot of people were angry about this. I was actually reading that this episode of Game of Thrones had the, I think it's the lowest Rotten Tomatoes score of any episode in the series. People were really angry about this. That's just dumb to me. I think it was so predictable, right? Because, you know, I... People have obviously been highly criticizing this season and like how fast it's gone and whatever. And I think the fact that it can be that low, like, and I think it was like seconds after, it might have even been during the episode, it just tells you that people were already going into it not liking it because they're mad about the way that the season has gone for them because it hasn't gone the way everybody thought it would. So I just, I think that's total BS. Yeah, I agree with Steve. It's like when people weren't dying and there wasn't enough, you know, everyone was upset that it wasn't you know, what they wanted. And now that people are dying and, you know, we got an episode that was a little t- more to me what people were asking for, now they're not happy about it. So it's like, what what did they want from the writers? You know, what could the show really have done right? And, you know, I thought it was a very entertaining episode. I, I do agree that the season has gone fast. And they probably could have extended this over time. And, you know, I know some of the people are upset about the, the character plots being just over so quickly, but I mean, there's two episodes left, or there were two episodes left going into this one, and they needed to do something, and I thought they made a big splash, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed the episode. I don't know what, you know, maybe that makes me short-minded, but I thought it was a really good episode. I thought it was, too. All you can really ask for as we creep towards the finish line is some <clears throat> resolution, and I think as long as you're captivated by this and you're engrossed in it, that's all you want, and I didn't blink or move, and I was so stressed out the entire time. I feel like people want almost like a Sopranos ending where it's so unknown and it's mm-hmm. so, you know, like it's up to the viewer and there's twists and turns. You really don't know what happened. And the fact that we are getting a little bit of clarity, it might make the viewers a little more upset because they are getting answers. So it's like they wanted answers, but then they wanted it to stay true. And I feel like people would be more happy if, if there were so many questions and unknowns and twists and turns and you know, I, I don't know. I'm enjoying the season. I, I don't really, you know, care what the what the public thinks. <laughs> Forget yeah. Rotten Tomatoes, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I totally agree. I just think, like, you know, it's the cool thing to do to be, like, go on Twitter and go on, like, Reddit and be like, here, let me tell you why the season actually sucks and, like, all these storylines that didn't pay off. And you're like, all right, dude. Like, I had a, I thoroughly enjoyed watching episode five. Was it a perfect episode? Absolutely not. But I love that they followed Arya through the streets. That was the best part of the episode yep. for me. Because you, I mean, it was just like stress level freaking midnight at that point. Like, I, I my heart's beating out of my chest. I, I, I know she's not going to die because I think she obviously has bigger things to go in the finale. But, I mean, just seeing the carnage, like, you, you felt like the walls and, you know, the walls were crumbling on you and you were basically running from a dragon as you're watching this show. Like, what more could you ask for? Right. Um, and, hey, it was, I guess, if, if people didn't like that Winterfell was too dark, this wasn't dark enough, right? Or this wasn't that dark, so we're fine. Yeah. And I, I just thought it was an incredible viewing experience. Even even putting, like, the storylines aside, putting the, oh, I don't think that they necessarily, you know, let Danny's character arc take her to the point of insanity. Even if you put all that stuff aside, just from saying, like, watching this episode, 
it was beautiful, chaotic, and as stressful as anything I've ever watched on, in movies or television. Two of the best scenes in the entire season have been when we followed Arya. When she was going through the castle at Winterfell trying to escape the army of the dead, mm-hmm. I didn't breathe that entire time. To see her in that moment, to me, it really captured what it would be like to be there. And then the same thing, her running through the streets. I just thought following her the way that they've done in those two battles was really smart. Okay, so you talk about death, we talk about carnage. We've done this kind of feature, or whatever you want to call it, in past conversations, damn, you're dead. And man, we have a lot of dead people to go through this week. A lot of people bit the dust. So the Golden Company, we knew that guy. I don't even know his name, but he's dead. The Golden Company, mercenaries, they're out. Yeah, RIP. I mean, it's funny. Like A lot of people were writing. I saw an article today that was actually pretty great. It was written before the episode came out, and it was like, why the Golden Company actually may be the key to like the battle of, uh, you know, of King's Landing. And you're like, actually, they died like in the first Ten seconds of the battle, so they didn't matter. Yeah, they're like the Dothraki uh, of this battle. <laughs> yeah, they got yeah, exactly. wiped out pretty quick. Yeah, uh, Strickland was the guy's name, and it was his Strickland. horse at the end, I believe, who uh, who Arya rode off on, which is pretty cool. That's right. Uh, so yeah, no, not a, not a great showing for the Golden Company. All right. Also, <laughs> dying and one of I thought the most poetic deaths of all was Kyburn, the hand of the queen, that mad scientist that we know, really just getting slammed, slammed into the ground. I mean, smashed really like a bug. I thought it was like pretty good for him. I mean, he's such a little weasel. And the fact that he was just thrown to the side, I like loved. Like, okay, I don't even need to waste time on this guy's death. Let's just make it quick and easy. Over. Yeah, and the fact that Cersei clearly was just like, you know, the actually the underrated part of the episode was at, right after the mountain pushes Kyber, you know, pushes him, kills him, and it's clearly going to be Clegane Bowl, and it was on between the two brothers. She was just like, yeah, I'm about to be out. Like, I don't have time for this stuff, and just literally walked in between them and left. Like, incredible part of the episode. Yeah, and neither one of them even tried to kill her or move. No, because it wasn't, you know, they knew that she knew this wasn't her fight and, 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 and they didn't want to fight her or whatever. So that it was, it was between the two of those guys, the two brothers. And I love that. Yeah, so did I. And I just love that he created this monster in the mountain who ultimately just discarded him like it didn't matter. And I'm glad we got to see him too, though. You know, like we actually got to see the mountain's face. Yes. Which was terrible. Absolutely. Yeah, he looked um, kind of like, what's that guy's name from, from the Adams family? Fester. He kind of looked like oh Uncle Fester yeah yeah, yeah he yeah, kind yeah, of looked right. like Uncle Fester but Frankenstein I mean, he was Frankenstein yeah so in that same scene we finally saw the showdown between the Hound and the Mountain and then after an insane battle where the Mountain just refused to die the Hound pushes him over into the fires and they both die probably my favorite death really I think. <laughs> nice. yeah I really liked it I mean the Hound was so committed to killing his brother that he was like you know what if I have to die with him then let's do it. And I thought it was pretty cool that he went into the fires, given the Hound's background and all that. You oh, know, I've always yeah. liked the Hound, and I've really enjoyed his character. And, like, he's been wanting to kill his brother the entire series. And to literally do whatever it took to kill him, and, hey, I'm going down. And he even said it when he was with Ari. He's like, I'm not coming back. And so he was committed to dying. He knew he could die. The fact that he got to take his brother with him, you know, I thought it was pretty cool. You know, when the Mountain's, like, you know, doing the same thing that he did to, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy from Dorne. Why am I blanking on his name? Oberyn. Uh, Oberyn. Prince yeah, Oberyn, like yeah. I'm sitting. I'm sitting there going, "Let's this can't. I can't watch another guy's eyeballs get popped out of his head." Um, <laughs> Can you imagine and, that being the go-to move to kill somebody? Just yeah, their like head back open? to back with your thumbs. I would have been bummed about that too, because that you know, like I, I don't need to see another death like that. That was a once. <laughs> that was a once in a show thing. Like we're good on the on the eyeball popping deaths. Right. But like he stabs him right in the in the face, and still nothing happens. And you're like. 
oh, so this is how it's going to go down. Like we're screwed here. And like the uh, you know the only option was essentially just to kind of like do a, like a kamikaze suicide thing and just kind of take them both out at the same time. And it was really a. Uh, I think it was really great too. I, I, I'm with you, Tommy. I think it was it was if not the best episode, one of the best episodes of the entire show. Tommy, to your point about the fire, I didn't even think about that. That that's what the mountain did to the hound when they were a kid. He pressed his face into the fire, and right. So for them to go that way, how poetic. I interpreted it as he had this fire of hatred raging inside of him his entire life. So naturally, a fire would consume him. That's the way I took it. But I think your take much better. Okay, so moving on, you're on Greyjoy, the showdown with Jamie Lannister by the boats on the bay. Yeah, I hated it. You hated it. Go on. I like when he goes, "I'm the man that killed Jamie Lannister." I thought that was so cheesy <laughs> and like so like not Thrones. You know what I mean? And I wish there would have been more dialogue about like, "Hey, it's my kid inside mm-hmm. of her, not yours." Like, I wish there was some of that going on. And I just thought it was like, first of all, where did Euron come from? I know, like, hey, I'm probably one of those critics and say hey like this doesn't make any sense but the fact that they just ran into each other like that um i mean i'm obviously glad that jamie won the battle but i did not like that there was no dialogue and i did not like the ending words like hey i'm the man that killed jamie lannister no i wasn't for that i liked euron i think euron was kind of a divisive character and i think a lot of it was because if people had read the book i didn't read the books but he apparently was way cooler in the books and i think that sort of hurts the show sometimes but i still think he was like an insane you know character and was clearly like unhinged and I do think that that line was a little corny. I understand why they fought. And a lot of people are like, well, why were they fighting in that situation? You're like, well, I just looked at it as, you know, Euron kind of realized that it was over and he had no future and was like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to go and take Jamie Lannister out as my last sort of thing on earth. And so I didn't think that was weird at all. I was a little stunned that Jamie got stabbed twice and somehow was able to make it to the crypts of, uh, or, the, you know, the basement essentially of King's Landing. But it wasn't one of my favorite scenes, but, you know, I kind of wanted to see a better death, I think, from Euron just because he was such, like, a crazy evil type guy that mm-hmm. you wanted to see something a little bit more than that. But it was, I mean, I guess it was good justice that Jamie was the one that delivered the final blow. I looked at it this way. Euron is such a narcissist that even in that moment, he wants to be the guy that can say, I killed Jamie mm-hmm. Lannister. He knows he's going out, but he always wanted some sort of title or some sort of place in the world, whether it was, I'm going to be the one that hooked up with the queen or I'm going to be the king. This is just another notch on his belt. Even though he's dying, he's saying, I'm the best. I am the shit. I killed Jamie Lannister. Yeah, the Kingslayer. The Kingslayer. That's right. All right, next one, and I probably should have led with this, but Tommy got some satisfaction out of this episode because Varys offed pretty early. <laughs> yeah, the fact that he died first, I was so fired up. I mean, he could so die he. from like he could die from like, <laughs> he could have he could have died from like hay fever or like measles, and I would have been happy. Like they could have just had him in a bed dying, and I would have been like, all right, good, he's gone. But to get him lit up by a single dragon was pretty awesome. You know, I, I thought the scene was actually really cool. I thought when Tyrion went up to him and said, hey, it was me, you know, because they obviously had a pretty long relationship, and, you know, Tyrion, you know, kind of came to and fessed up to, to him being the one that told Danny about everything. I thought it was a really, you know, interesting scene. I thought that was one of my favorite kind of dialogues of the whole episode. There wasn't much dialogue throughout the episode, but I really enjoyed that. And obviously, you know, I was team, team bars to die, so I'm all good there. <laughs> But you know what's interesting about that is that he was ultimately proven right, though, mm-hmm. in the end, right? So No question. You know, yeah, no question. And, and I, I texted Michelle because I don't know if a ton of people sort of picked up on it, but, like, did you, Tommy, pick up, like, he, so that I assume he was trying to poison her, poison Danny in the beginning of the show, right? 
I mean, because he's talking to the to the to the to the little girl that works in the in the kitchen, and she's like, "Hey, she hasn't eaten in days," and I'm sitting there going, "Oh, damn, he's like trying to poison her. That's mm-hmm. unbelievable." I'm with you. Like I was kind of over Varys, but then when you know he's about to die, and she just before she says Dracarys, you know, he's saying, "I hope I'm wrong." And that was like really tragic because obviously he, I'm sure, I'm really sure he believed that he wanted to be wrong, but he really didn't think he was wrong. And then after she's done burning the entire city of King's Landing, you're like, wow, he was right. And, you know, ultimately she probably wasn't the person to sit on the Iron Throne, even if there's an Iron Throne left after what she did. I was sad to see Varys go. Tommy, I know you were so over him, but to me, he was kind of like the medieval real housewife, you know, in the real housewives of Atlanta, Sheree Whitfield always says she's the bone collector because she has all the gossip and she disperses it as she pleases. And Varys was the original bone collector. He knew all the gossip. He knew when to deploy it. He was super messy. He was super sassy. He was super petty. Uh, And at the end, getting all that information, he proved to be a really powerful player in this game. He not only was trying to poison her, but knew that he had this information that could change the game and was trying to disperse it. And also, I know a lot of people were annoyed with him because he kept saying, I'm doing this for the realm, I'm doing this for the realm. But then at the end, it turns out he really was doing it. He just wanted the best and most fair leader to sit on the Iron Throne. So I was kind of sad to see Varys go. But I bet he was up in Game of Thrones heaven or hell or wherever he ended up purgatory, kind of laughing at everybody down below being like, told you so. Yeah, I mean, he would certainly get the last laugh if he was able to see that. But, (laughs) I mean, it's tough, too, because Tyrion, you know, when Tyrion sort of spills the beans a little bit and says, you know, it was ultimately him to to Danny, you know, you know his his fate is sort of sealed. And and we'll get into this later with Danny's death, but I did think they did a really good job in that way of making her look very unhinged and and, and like she had really no hope left in the world. Yeah, she was mad. All right, last two deaths. I say the two most controversial ones for last, Cersei and Jaime Lannister. Jaime obviously leaves a good, comfortable situation with Brienne to go be reunited with his true love, a.k.a. his sister who is pregnant with his baby. Yes, you heard that correctly. Uh, You know, he gets stabbed a couple times by Euron on the way. He gets blocked from the gate. Somehow he finds her. They try to run away. They end up in the crypts with the dragon heads, and then boom, everything falls on them. They die together. You know, I liked it. I think, you know, I think people wanted Cersei to die in a more, you know, badass way. I guess I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actually really happy that Arya, that the Hound told Arya not to go. I know some people were kind of conflicted on that, saying, "Oh, like why would Arya turn around? Like she's not. That's not who she is." But I'm glad that happened. I'm glad that Arya didn't end up killing Cersei because. You know, we can't have Arya kill everyone, and who knows, she'll probably end up, she may end up killing uh, Daenerys in the last episode. But, you know, I, this whole character arc thing, I think the interesting part for me was Jamie, right? Because this whole character arc was, oh, he's actually becoming a good guy. Like, he's, he, he goes up north to fight the White Walkers and to, to, to win the Great War, and he's going to shack up with Brienne. He's going to live happily ever after. And I just think, like, for, you know, people who have watched the show, like, we don't get happy endings for, for many characters, and... I think this whole time, if we were expecting a happy ending with Jamie, we, we we weren't gonna get it because mm-hmm. no matter what, like Cersei was like a drug to him, and he couldn't quit her. And ultimately, I you know <laughs> who knows how he, he found you. his way. Who knows how he found his way up into the tower? Like these are questions that I'm not that worried, concerned about. Right. But he was there for the person he loved the most in the world, and you know, and obviously was you know with the person that was carrying his child. And while it wasn't necessarily like the most badass, cool death for the two of them. You know, he had said, you know, there had been these themes throughout the entire show of, like, I want to die holding the woman that I love, and many people have said that, and and he ultimately did do that. The underrated part of it, too, was, like, it it was a side of Cersei that we had never seen before, right? Because Cersei, the entire episode, is saying, you know, 
it, the red keep has never fallen. It won't fall today. And Kyburn's basically telling her, we need to leave now or you're going to die. And she's staring down Danny and the dragon as it burns the entire city. And she's just completely, you know, emotionless um, the entire time. And then right as they're in sort of those basements and they know it's kind of about to end, to see her, you know, begging for her life and, you know, basically crying, saying that she doesn't want to die. That's really a side of Cersei that we never saw, and I'm kind of glad we did see it. And mm-hmm. the, I think the show did a really good job of making me actually feel sorry for her in the moment, which is absolutely incredible. Yeah, I think to piggyback off what Steve said, like the whole show, you know, for the majority of the show, people loved Danny. I mean, loved her and, you know, wanted her to win and side with her. And then in this episode, you know, that starts to flip because you see her turn into this mad queen. And, you know, conversely, I think people have hated Cersei this entire episode. But at the time of her death, like Steve says, you start to feel sorry for her. And you almost are, you know, you feel for the death of the two people that have been in you know, the only relationship that's really stood the entire series is that them two. And for them to find their way back, I think it was interesting how they made you kind of almost feel for Cersei and hate Danny by the end of the episode. And, you know, I was actually good with the death. I didn't want Arya to kill her. You know, I, she can't kill everyone. You know, I don't even know how many people, like, on her list she's actually had the opportunity to kill. Like, if you look at that, I don't. I probably should have, but I don't think she's killed very many people that she set out to. Um, so I was good with that. I like the fact that Jamie went back to her. You know, I was team true love there. Um, so uh, I had no problem with it. I didn't want, you know, everyone was complaining that, you know, it wasn't harsh, harsh enough, you know, and all that stuff, but... No, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good death. I was also team true love and in that moment I realized this is how insane this show has made me. I'm crying over two murderous psychopath incestuals like cheering for them that they get to die together because they truly love each other. You know how insane is that? But you know Steve you said you didn't think that Jamie got a happy ending. I think he did. I think if he was away from her and she would have died his life would have been miserable any other way. I mean like I said he was with Brienne of Tarth and she was a really good good person and he could have turned his life around but that's not where his heart was so i think it was a very poetic death for them i also loved the scene uh with Tyrion and jamie when he released him and mm-hmm. he got to repay the favor and basically we had that moment of him saying you're the only person who never treated me like a monster and you know you're my best friend and i love you i thought that was really powerful so as far as the lannisters and the way they were off i'm good with it we need to talk about danny the Mad Queen has has turned. She went from, as Tommy said, the lovable character to this Mad Queen. She, in the end, became a true Targaryen. So, Tommy, what do you think her fate is? Okay, so I've been, you know, talking about this probably the whole podcast. Like the whole season to me has been about okay, which side is Danny going to fall on? Is she going to get back to what she truly is and what she thought you know she wanted to do and the breaker of chains and do everything the right way, or is she going to turn into a Targaryen and her father? And clearly this episode shows, you know, she's got a lot of her dad in her. Um, so I think Danny's going to die, and I think John's going to kill her. Um, I don't know how it all plays out. You know, I don't know if Grey Worm tries to defend her. You know, I don't know how, all the logistics of it, but I think John is going to end up killing Danny. Um, no idea how it's going to go down, but I think it's going to be a little bit of a flip. You know, everyone thought Cersei's brother or lover was going to kill her. I think John's going to end up killing Danny. We'll see how that all plays out. But I think Danny's turned. You know, the thing I don't get is they showed this dragon and how powerful it could be in this episode. Like, where was that the last couple? I mean, this dragon literally killed an entire fleet of ships and then an entire city. Like, the power of the dragon was unbelievable. So I don't know how 
you know, they, they, they kill Danny, especially with the dragon and how it all goes down. But I think she's dead. I think John does it. I don't think there's any way that Danny wins this thing. I have no idea how they're going to deal with the dragon as well. I guess I'm more forgiving in the sense of storytelling with the dragon stuff. I could accept that she sort of learned how to fly Dragon better than the other one. And the other one was injured when it got killed by Euron. So I could I could sort of forgive that. But it, I mean, you're right. It was absolutely an unbelievable destruction of a city that we've never seen really before with dragons. Yeah, but I mean, how do I they have that I, much I fire? You know, you'd think at some point I, that's what that I was thinking. Out. I was like, "Where's the yeah?" I was like, "Where's the fuel for this thing? Like, <laughs> is he run on gas? Like, I'm confused. That can't be great for the environment." No, anyway, it can't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I have no idea how they're going to deal with with the dragon because Danny literally has very few allies left. Right? You've got mm-hmm. Grey Worm, who is also kind of seemed to have gone over the edge. She has you know whatever soldiers that she has left, but a lot of them I think are still loyal to John, so some of them, I'm I'm sure she's outnumbered. So really the dragon is the only thing that she has, the only trump card she really has in this whole equation. So I have no idea how they're going to do that because I I imagine in order to kill her, they're going to have to kill the dragon. So Um, here's my hot take. You want to hear it? Yeah. So I think that they're going to somehow arrest her and she because you saw that scene of her walking through everything, and I think Mm -hmm. that's potentially going to a trial. And what has been the big piece of information this entire season? It's that John is a true Targaryen, and he has that relationship with the dragons as well. And I think he says Dracarys, and the dragon ends up killing her. Ooh, I mean, I know that like dragons are are sort of bound to their riders, right? So I don't. It would be interesting how they sort of figure out how to make Dragon go against his the only rider he's ever had mm-hmm. um and really his his mother <laughs> um yeah. which would be an interesting uh, I don't know I mean I, it makes sense like cuz otherwise I don't have an explanation for you of how that how they can how or I don't have a guess really of how they would figure that out because if Danny really wants to she could just burn the entire world and she could just rule uh, you know she can be queen of the ashes like she basically already is um <laughs> Somehow she will be killed. There's no way. I don't think there's any way they can keep her alive. I want to ask you this, too, about Danny because I think there's been a lot of questions and a lot of criticism about, like, kind of her arc. And while I do think it was fast, like, people saying that they didn't see this coming or that she didn't have this in her to burn, like, you know, tens of thousands of innocent people, I just feel like you haven't been watching the show. I mean, in season one, she says, I'm going to burn cities to the ground. She's always had this in her. And, yeah, I know, like, burning Tarly and his son— Dickon, like, wasn't great name, by the way. Dickon, Dickon shouts out. Shouts. Um, what wasn't necessarily burning, you know, tens of thousands of people, but when you know, I like I said, or like I said earlier, I think they did a good job of showing how alienated she was after Masunday's death, after Jorah's death, who was like the only person who she ever really took advice from, or whoever she she felt like she can trust, you know, their guidance and. You know, she's alone in this world and her entire life or at least for the last few years, she's been like, I'm I am the rightful heir to the Iron Throne. I am going to change the world. I'm going to be this person for good. And I think she fought a lot of demons throughout the way with the guidance of those people who are now dead Mm -hmm. to the point where at, you know, at the beginning of this episode, she is alone in at Dragonstone. She won't see anyone, anyone. She's not eating. Mm -hmm. And then like, obviously the icing on, you know, the icing on the cake is when John basically doesn't love her anymore that way. And I looked at someone who was just broken and had nothing left to lose. So I didn't think it was that weird of a character arc for her to just go absolutely berserk on that city. Yeah. We've seen shades of this. I mean, since we started talking about this show on this podcast, I've said she is power hungry and that consumed her. It literally turned her mad. And I think what we can all take away from this is that Danny, not someone to handle rejection well. Nope. Nope. Definitely not. And honestly, I mean. But I don't blame her. I don't. 
I don't. I guess maybe I'm being maybe I'm being sympathetic, and I've been Team Danny for a while. Although I knew that I kind of knew this would come, but I, maybe I'm being too forgiving. I don't know. But I, I, you know, I get where she's coming from. I get the despair that she has that she's probably feeling. Yeah, I kind of can't feel bad for her after she tried to, you know, smooch up her nephew and then burned an entire city to the ground. You know who I felt badly for? Arya. She kills the Night King, and this is her reward: getting trampled. Well, and in, beat in her to defense, hell. that was her fault, though. <laughs> In her defense, she was the one that like was like, "I'm bailing on you guys. Like, I'm not going to march with you. I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with the hound on my own and climb up that castle." Which, if she had done, she would have died. So good, good thing that she didn't. Right. Um. Oh. But yeah, she had she was she was in the thick of it for most of that episode. Yeah, not a great reward for you know saving humanity. Yeah. Okay, we are heading towards the season finale, the series finale. So we need to update our who's going to sit on the Iron Throne at the end of all of this prediction. So Steve, who you got? I still think ultimately they're going to break up the seven kingdoms into whatever, you know, I don't know if it's going to be seven individual kingdoms, but I think the North is going to just kind of do its own thing. I don't know what's going to happen with King's Landing, um, the South, you know, the Reach, who knows what all, I think they're just going to end up being broken up and they're going to realize that this can't be done right now um, because there really is no one. I, I, you know, what Tommy said, it's it's sort of between John and Bran. I've heard people talk about whether or not Tyrion and Sansa would do it, but why would they why like Sansa I don't think Sansa wants to be in King's Landing I don't think she necessarily wants to rule with Tyrion I know now it's less complicated because Danny's dead but I just don't see any real easy fix to this whole thing and I think everyone's just going to kind of go home and just take their ball with them and just sort of live out their, the rest of their lives in a different way than than we thinking of someone's going to rule the entire seven kingdoms gosh I don't oh man I mean I said John last week I truly don't think John wants the throne you know, I could see him going back north and going back to being north of the wall and living life up there. Um, but I guess I'll stick with John. I did text you, Michelle, that Brand's kind of my sleeper. <laughs> Why um, Brand? Already, well, I said he's already sitting. You know, like maybe there's some symbolism there. But he's been sitting this whole time. So um, I don't know. Maybe maybe Brand or John. I, I'm going to go with Bran. I think John goes north of the wall. I think somehow Bran becomes the ruler, and not like Steve said the whole time, like not in the traditional way of where it's just a king and he's ruling everything. But I think somehow they anoint him in charge. Sansa stays north. John goes up to the wall, and then Arya's you know a mercenary somewhere. After this episode, I'm feeling super confident in my pick of Tyrion. We know Cersei's done, Jamie's done, it looks like Danny's gonna be done, John doesn't want the throne, Varys is out. I think Sansa probably just wants to chill in the north. Arya is not a ruler, she's a murderer. I think it's gonna be Tyrion. I think John is gonna renounce his claim to the throne, give it to Tyrion, who's generally a level-headed guy and I think would be a good ruler. And I think, to Tommy's point, he's going to cruise up north. I think he's going to be reunited with Tormund and Ghost and he's just going to live a pretty chill life. Yeah, we need to see that. We need to see that sequel. I would watch. I would watch. We were texting about this. I would watch a show of just like Tormund, Ghost, and John just hanging out up north doing things. Yeah, it's the buddy cop spinoff, you know? The three best friends anyone's yeah. ever had. I'd totally watch that. Yeah, that'd be cool as hell. And honestly, John deserves it because John's been through it. And, and John, let's let's be honest. Um, I like John, but John is not. John is an overrated leader. Uh, he okay. is a leader in that he does things that are heroic and he's good in battle, but he doesn't necessarily like war in general. I mean, who likes war? But he doesn't really like, <laughs> you know, fighting necessarily. Right. And I think all he wants is just to finish this thing off and just live his life in peace. Uh, maybe he'll go up and rebuild the Night's Watch, although I'm a little bit confused because I'm not sure what the Night's Watch would be needed anymore now that the Wildlings are peaceful mm-hmm. and now that the Night King is gone. 
but uh, that's a that's a possibility. But I just want I just want happiness and peace for John because he hasn't had it his entire life, and I really hope he doesn't get thrust into a leadership position because he really doesn't want it. No, he doesn't. And honestly, he's been murdered, came back to life. You know, his true love, Egret, dead. His next love, Danny, actually his aunt. I mean, he's been through it, so he deserves to just chill out for a while. He deserves, you know, I would say a beach somewhere, but he's not a beach guy. He's more of like a, you know, skiing in Mount Snow type dude, so chill. Well, we don't have to wait much longer to find out who sits on the Iron Throne. The series finale is this Sunday. We're going to have Tommy back on next week for the last time of our Game of Thrones correspondent. Oh, that's kind of sad. I mean, I don't talk during those segments, but... (laughs) I just like texting Tommy to make sure he's, you know, going to come on with us this week. I mean, that's just my guy, man. I love Tommy Reese. I'm sure you can still text with them. You think? He might not respond, but you can text (laughs) And it's funny because I'm a BC fan, so I hate Notre Dame. Mm. Like, Notre Dame has owned our shit forever as the other big Catholic school. Um, But now, uh, I might have a little bit of a soft spot for Notre Dame moving forward. I mean, we don't really play that much anymore. I mean, I get uh, the rivalry's been kind of back-ish, but you know, football we kind of suck. I, I don't know. I'm not going to be a Notre Dame fan, but I want I want well for Tommy. You know, it's it's my guy. Have you ever been to Notre Dame? No, it's and a special I th- place. I think we need to do that this football season, right? Definitely. I mean, it's a close enough drive. Yeah, growing up Catholic, went to Catholic school, wanted to go to Notre Dame. That was like my dream. I wanted to go to Notre Dame. And then when I started looking at colleges, I had kind of thought, okay, let's visit Notre Dame. Let's do it. But it was kind of at the bottom of the list just based on how things were going. So I went to Pepperdine. I visited NYU. I went to Florida and Gainesville. They call it a swamp for a reason, folks. Okay. <laughs> not not really my style. Yeah. My, my grandma randomly has a large plot of land right outside of Gainesville. Yeah. She got good. She got a good deal on it. Nice. Interesting place to yeah. say the least. I don't know if I would have really vibed well yeah. in I Gainesville. W- I went to a Gainesville uh, Gators basketball game when Joe Kim Noah and Al Horford were still on the team there. Nice. It was their senior night. And uh, yeah, that's just like a nice little sports thing for you there. Sports. Good tidbit. Yeah, small talk, sports. Hashtag sports. Um, and then I just so happened to visit Illinois because one of my guy friends who was a year older than me went to Illinois and he was dating one of my friends who was, we were still in high school. And they invited us to come up for a weekend for a football game. So we we're like, yeah, sure. Like, what else are we doing? Why not? So four <laughs> of us girls packed with a car. We went to Illinois for a weekend. I'll never forget it. It was a crisp October day. All the leaves had changed. I walked on that quad. I went to a Big Ten football game. I went to the bars after. Sorry, Dad. And I was like, this is where I... It was literally love at first sight. I didn't even visit Notre Dame. I didn't go anywhere else. I applied to Illinois, got in early, applied to Mizzou as my safety school, signed, sealed, delivered. I was the first person to pick my college. I was the first person to get my housing. I just... I knew right away. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Because that doesn't happen for a lot of people. Um, That's so cool. Yeah, I loved it there, and it was the best decision of my life. I was going to say, and it completely lived up to the hype because you you hype that place like you hype St. Louis, honestly. It's when you ride for something, fun. you ride pretty hard. But I don't ride for it unless it deserves to be ridden for. <laughs> I loved my time at ESPN, and I love the people there. I'm never going to be like Bristol, Connecticut is point. the best place. It's a good point. I will say the people at ESPN are what makes it special. Mm-hmm. I will ride for what's real. You know, I'm never. I think St. Louis catches a bad rep nationally. People that actually come here, you've lived here for a while. Great restaurant scene, great bars, great sports, really nice people. There's a lot to do here. Respect. Respect. I love the Lou. Illinois, awesome school. <laughs> Shout out to the Illini, yeah. or whatever they're called now. 
still call the Illini no mascot. That's mm-hmm. a point of contention. We'll save that for another time. But, yes, Notre Dame, awesome place. Had I not gone on that trip, perhaps I would have applied to Notre Dame. Don't know if I would have gotten in. I wonder I mean, how I was different a smart kid, but Probably pretty different. <laughs> no lie. I bet I'd be really different. Would you be a doctor right now? Uh, no. I, I think it's pretty obvious that I'm not smart enough to be a doctor. <laughs> well, I didn't want to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can. No, I look back at that time in my life and I think, how naive was I? You know, you're when you're in high school and you're in all honors classes and you're really smart. You're like, well, I'm the shit. Yeah. You think, oh, sure. What what else will prove how smart I am? Becoming a doctor. <laughs> you do not think about truly how difficult it is to become a doctor. And then if you even get to that point 10 years later, what you have to sacrifice to do that. The type of mental makeup it takes to be a doctor. It's incredible and I I never gave myself the illusion that I could do anything like that. I remember before I was at Emerson, I went to Assumption College and it was the first class I had at Assumption. It was like an intro to math type class. Mm -hmm. And I fell asleep in the first five minutes of this college math course. You fell asleep? Fell asleep. I got really drunk the night before. Yeah, nice. And the, the teacher woke me up at the end of the class and I immediately just left the class and walked to the whatever office and switched out of it. I was like, not for me. I knew I was transferring to Emerson that where you didn't need to do math. There's just no math at Emerson. It's kind of a weird school like that. That's a, nice. another conversation for another day. And uh, I switched into the history of music instead of math. Nice. <laughs> Best decision I ever made. It truly allowed me to enjoy my one semester at Assumption College. Shout yeah. out Assumption. Shout out Assumption. Actually, we are living parallel lives because my very first class on campus at Illinois. I'm so hyped to be there. I'm pumped, right? You know, going through Rush, getting ready to join a sorority. And I walk into my first class. It's chemistry. I don't know if it was honors chemistry, but it was certainly a chemistry that I was shocked to be in. It was, <laughs> it was like, chemistry you weren't ready for. Because I was not good at chemistry, period. <laughs> so subject. So I don't know how I even got in this class, but it was in a big lecture hall, like maybe two, three hundred kids. And the professor walks in, doesn't really say anything, and starts just writing chemical equations on the board. And I, in that moment, I was like, well, this is not going to work out for me. <laughs> and, you know, at least I had the self-awareness. Like, I had the, this delusional sense of self going into college thinking I could be a doctor. But to my own credit, five minutes into it, I said, well, <laughs> you know what? We may have made a mistake here. And I had to, you know, change my major, but I had to wait a whole year to do so. Damn. Uh, uh-huh. So you just grin and bared it through all those terrible classes? It was awful. That sounds terrible. And I was such an over- AMs. Oh, such an overachiever coming out of high school. Like I loved getting A's and like getting that pat Doesn't on the back me. and that that gratification. When you're in those med classes, especially early on, all they're trying to do is weed you out. <laughs> so you're getting F's. Which is smart it's because so you smart. don't want someone to slip through the cracks and accidentally become a doctor. Yeah. Because that's bad for humans. Yeah, you don't want me writing your prescription, folks. <laughs> or cutting me open. Correct. Well, I couldn't have done that. I wanted to be a dermatologist. And people were like, oh my God, to help burn victims. I was like, no, to give people Botox and make millions of dollars. Like, Shout out to that. At least I, I was very ahead on the, uh, the curve <laughs> on that. But yeah, so you're getting back these papers and these tests and you're like, I'm a failure. I'm so stupid. Oh my God. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, but to really just put a ball in this, that freshman year, that 2005 Atlanta basketball team, national championship, don't even talk to me about that final game, but fell in love with that team. And I'd always loved sports. I had always kind of wanted to be in sports and boom. That team was so fun. That team was kind of ahead of its time with the three guards. 
because you know, it was a little bit of like a Warriors light there, you know? Oh my God, the team had so much personality. Luther Head, D. Brown, Darren Deron Wolf. Williams. Darren Williams. <laughs> Darren? Deron? Darren. Deron. Darren. Okay. You had James Augustine, you had the Red Ralph Powell. I mean, God, that team was so fun. Fun team. I loved watching that team. They were robbed by those academic frauds <laughs> in Chapel Hill. And really, I mean, can we talk about the calls or on James Augustine? Anyway, let's just not get into that. We'll do an oral history of the 2005 Illinois basketball team one day as an hour-long pod. It will be narrative style. We'll do interviews. Uh, we'll do production. I'll get some play-by-play in there. It'll be a special project for us, and uh, it'll be great. How about that? I'll head up Darren Williams, see if he wants to come on. That would be awesome. I'll be like, remember when he hit that three in the final four versus Arizona? My heart stopped. Thanks for that. <laughs> He's become very vilified, Darren Williams. Really? Yeah, I just Not feel like world. NBA NBA circles kind of just Look at the end of his career and like, uh, he's kind of like he's kind of like people how they look at Mello right now. Like, uh, look at Mello, he's like a laughing stock. It's like, let's not forget how nasty that dude was at basketball. And I also he brought the f- Jazz to the Western Conference Finals when Carlos Boozer was the second best player on the team. And I also feel like he didn't have the expectations placed on him that Mello did. No, absolutely not. And he just and he was just easily one of the three or four best point guards in the NBA for a solid four or five years. What's Darren Williams up to? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He was on that Cavs team that lost to the Warriors in the finals. Remember, kind of as like a bench guy. And I, I don't know I don't know what he did this last year. Maybe he was in the league and I'm just being a really bad NBA fan here. I have no idea what Darren Williams has been doing. What has my guy been doing? Pulling up basketball reference here. 2016-2017, he was with the Cavs. Right. And that's it. Okay, yeah, so I'm, I'm not crazy here. I thought for a second, oh, did I miss, like, a late Mavs season? But I think he was on the Mavs before that. Um, but, yeah, man, shout out to Darren Williams. <laughs> shout out. <laughs> you got to love when you just go on a random Darren Williams tangent. This is also, like, another thing, but I drunk shop to stop myself from, like, drunk eating nachos. I will drunk shop okay. online. I'll wake up in the morning and be like... What in the world? Why did I order the KKW body fragrance? <laughs> because it popped up on Instagram and I was like, boop, bye. Yeah, shopping is a good vice. I will say, this is actually funny you bring this up about Darren Williams. A couple months ago, out with friends, had some drinks, came home, wake up the next morning, I open my phone, you know, you put your thumb on it, it opens. I had eBay up and I was looking for a Darren Williams throwback Illini jersey. That would be sick. Yeah. Because I don't own any jerseys. I'm yeah, not a jersey you hate girl. But I ordered, I was like, how cool would that be to have like an old school <laughs> you'd Illini never wear it. number five Darren Williams jersey? Well, I was looking for a kid size, you know, because I'm really short. I was like, maybe I could get it for a steal for like 30 bucks on eBay. What you would have had to have ended up doing with that for it to have value to you was, would be get him to sign it and then frame it. That'd be a great man cave piece one day. Uh, Woman cave. Yeah. Gal cave. You know there's not one piece of sports memorabilia in my apartment. Not I one. have been to your apartment, and I can confirm that. Not You're one. not big on that. No. I mean, what do I need? Maybe some pics of you and your dad at the ballpark. Not even that? Yeah, but from, like, when I was a kid. Yeah. That's the interesting. The only thing I have is I have this, I mean, this is going to sound weird, but it's cool. I got it at a vintage fair. Okay. It's, like, antlers on this wooden block. And it has my press passes on it. Oh, okay. That's cool. That yeah. is cool. From like all the games I've been to, our Rosillo and Canal remotes. Um, it's a nice keepsake. Well, I just never know what to do with them, and I don't want to throw them away. Right. You feel weird throwing those away. I have a bunch of them from the Blues playoffs that are just sitting in a stack on my bureau, and I'm like, 
I feel like I should keep these. Yeah. They're just kind of taking up space. And they're crazy know. to look back on because they'll have the dates and sometimes I'll write things on the back. One I saw the other day, I, I wrote on the back like Albert Pujols like had a big game that day. And, you know, I look back on the ones from Marcel and Canal, and they all have the weekend and wh- where we were. So I was like, oh, my God, that Tallahassee <laughs> trip. So fun. Can I tell you something that's embarrassing a little bit about my most recent one? is obviously the Patty Maroon Game 7 goal, one of the greatest sports moments either one of us are ever going to see live, double OT, incredible. I was so tired when I got home that night, I I ripped my press pass just off my neck, and I ripped that press pass. What are you thinking? It was just a dumb, tired, I had been up since 3 a.m. moment, have to wake up in two and a half hours for work the next day, and... I ruined an amazing keepsake. I am disappointed in you. <laughs> but you know what? I'll always have that memory. Can't take that away from you. Can't. All right. Well, you know what time it is now that we've really just <laughs> gone off the rails here. Yeah, that was unplanned. You know the drill. Head to Apple Podcasts. Search for Small Talk. Find it. Click on it. Subscribe to it. Rate it. Five stars, preferably, if you would do us the great honor. Solid. Solid, if you do us the solid. And leave a <laughs> review like this guy from the Hulk Hogan. Who says, do I look nervous? Five stars. Hands down, the goat of podcasts. Do your ears a favor. Give this a listen. Thanks, Hulk Hogan. Some rough times fell on the Hulk. Oh, the Gawker really, thing. really rough times. He ended up cashing in on that, but that was a bad look for him and his marriage for a while. Yeah. Terry is his real name. Did you know that? Hulk Hogan's real name is Terry? Yeah. <laughs> Terry? I don't know his last name. Maybe it's Terry Hogan. I know his first name's Terry, though. <laughs> Terry. Yep. He does not look like a Terry. Terry. Terry Jean Balea. Ah, Balea. Okay, yep, that makes, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Shout out Terry, a.k.a. Hulk Hogan. Shout out to my Uncle Terry, too. (laughs) All right, here's one more from Snoopy's Rage. Ooh, Snoopy's Rage. Hot take. Small talk equals best STL-based podcast. Five stars. Started listening after I made a career change a few months back. You guys get my Friday off to a great start. I love the dynamic, the topics, the humor, and the GOT. That's shorthand time for Game of Thrones. Ah, okay. Recap. It's fun hearing three people who clearly like and respect one another talk and hang out. Welcome to St. Louis Freeze Pops. Ah, thanks for having me. It's a nice review. That is nice. Yeah, Friday mornings. That's always a great morning. You wake up, you're like, oh, man, the weekend's in a few hours. It's pretty great. So. I know, but those three hours on the show. <laughs> You're just like counting it down. You're like, uh, I can't wait to go home and nap. Totally. I was going to say, because usually there's a nap there. <laughs> thanks to Tommy. Thanks to Saruti. Thanks to you, Tom. We will be back in action next week. But until then, good night, Boston. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.